Well, we play beautiful New Zealand music for you when we can on RNZ Afternoons and in a roundabout way the artists then get paid royalties for the use of their music. But tracking down the people to pay can be a bit of a challenge. And in New Zealand there's a particular challenge with older Māori songs. It's an ongoing project for APRA, the Australasian Performing Rights Association, uh, and each case is a little mystery to solve. To tell us more, I'm joined by APRA Head of New Zealand Operations, Anthony Healy. Hi, Anthony. Oh, kia ora, Jesse. Nice to talk to you. And first of all, a lot of people listening might never have thought about how artists get paid for their songs being played on the radio and elsewhere. Can you go over how that works? Yeah, well, I mean, sitting behind every song is a songwriter, uh, and those people need to be paid for, you know, when their music is used. So... Uh, creating that database, ensuring that those writers get paid is, is really can be quite complex. In the case of something, you know, I mean, Radio New Zealand, every piece of music that you, that, that you broadcast, the songwriters, the owners of that, both the recordings and the song itself, uh, they, get, they get paid every time. And it's easy for you because we have, a, we have a license with Radio New Zealand that enables all the works within our repertoire. And that's the repertoire of of APRA, so all New Zealand works and Australian works, but also the societies from all around the world that we represent here in New Zealand. So it's an international repertoire that we can license to you so that every 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 time a song gets played, the songwriter gets paid. Can you give people an idea of how much they get paid for a play of a song? Well, it depends on what the, the income of the particular broadcaster is. So, you know, a song on a, on a commercial radio network will, will earn more than a song played, um, for instance, on, on uh, student radio or uh, on national radio. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to identify a figure, though? I think people would be pretty fascinated. Oh, look, I, th- I think, you know, a play on a, on a commercial radio network would, would, would get the songwriter, and it depends often how many songwriters are involved in a song. But per play, a song might earn, you know, any between, anywhere between $1.50 or $3.00. Um, again, it just depends on how much, how many songs they play and, and how much that radio station earns. Yeah, and the way commercial playlists work, that would add up uh, the number of songs, uh, number of times a hit song would well, be played. Well, they do repeat songs. So you're right, they do repeat songs, uh, and you know that actually they actually don't play that many new songs. Yeah. Do you have a lot of unclaimed royalties? Yeah, it, it's an issue. I mean, songs songs can be. Uh, royalties for songs can be unclaimed for a variety of reasons. It could be someone has died and hasn't appointed a successor to, to their, the rights in their music. Um, it could be because co-writers have argued over um, what shares they might have in a song uh, and, and, and who gets what. Um, it might be that someone's claimed they've written a song and, in fact, they, they haven't indeed written all of that song. So all of those reasons can can be a problem, and and you know that's that's something that APRA is set up to deal with. Yeah, and what about older Maori songs that we mentioned? Are there particular issues with tracking down these songwriters? Oh, look, I don't think there's any any anything particular uh, problem with with Maori songwriters, and, and we've we've been doing a lot of work with our Maori songwriters to ensure that that we have the best data in the system. Um, for older works and and for newer contemporary works too, the wire that we've been that you know that, that people have been hearing um, on the radio um, and online more recently. Um, but yeah, look, there's classic examples. I mean, one example I think of is you know the well-known uh, uh, Delvania song, for instance, E.E. Paul. 
And Aie Poor is, is the lyrics are written by um, Noi Pifarangi um, to a tune which in fact is, a, is an old Indonesian tune. Um, it's an old Indonesian folk song. Um, so, uh, you know, when, when one comes to clear that work, if you want to use it, let's say, for instance, in a, um, a film or a TV show and you need to approach the songwriters to get permission, then it always becomes quite complex. Yeah, what do you do? How, how do you work uh, a situation like that out? Yeah, well, you've, you've got you've got to track down either the publisher of the song or uh, the, the the composer of the song itself, uh, and that can be quite complicated. I mean, generally, all of those details are held by someone, and, and you know, we maintain a database of of millions and millions of works, um, and they're the works that that, that, that people want to use generally. Um, but you know, there are in excess of 100 million songs in existence. And there's new songs being added to that database every day. There's 100,000 songs uploaded to Spotify every day. So there's so many new works being added. Mm. I'm just thinking of the song Fakari Mai. What's Is that how great thou art? The, um, the Te Reo Māori version. And that would be another sort of a hybrid of, of possibly an old tune that's been um, given a New Zealand context and, and has some New Zealand songwriting input. That's right, exactly right. And you know, we've been we've been through some of the Waiata anthems um, projects that we've been we've been mm. involved with. Uh, you know, that Dame Hanawiki Mohi has been um, releasing. There's lots of new contemporary versions of you know well-known New Zealand songs reinterpreted and and often translated into Te Reo Māori. Um, and you know, all of those translations are new works themselves. Is there ever a dispute, this is sort of a little bit off topic, Anthony, but you know, yeah. let, let's imagine that I'm interviewing a band and I, uh, I say a phrase and one of the band members says, oh, that'd make a great song title, and they go and write a song. Is there ever a, a dispute between someone like me saying, well, hey, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have that song, I need you to list me as a songwriter? Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, look, to, for copyright to attach... You've got to um, the song has to, oh, the work has to be original, so the words have to be original, and you've got to write it down in some way. So for you to claim that it was yours first, um, you would have had to have written it down or recorded it in some way, and then copyright would attach. And yeah, it'd, it'd be yours if it was original. There's an old saying I've heard. I'm sure you've heard it too. At, you know what I'm going to say? No. Add a word, get a third. Have you heard that <laughs> one before? Yeah, well, that's that's right. Is no, that I mean, true? Oh, absolutely, and and it comes from when songwriters often, and it comes from kind of um, traditional song pop songwriting in Nashville, for instance, where if you're in the room, you get you you get an equal share wow. in, in, in the in the work. Huh. So you know, if you're in the room, and if you contribute something, then you get an equal share. Have you seen songwriting uh, and New Zealanders' approach to songwriting sort of mature and change over the years you've been in the job? Oh, absolutely. We, we started, for instance, we recognised some time ago that, that a lot of contemporary pop music, for instance, was being written much more collaboratively. So groups of songwriters. Um, and it wasn't traditionally what we had done here. So we started a programme called Song Hub where we would bring in songwriters from overseas and they would work with our local songwriters in groups and they would write songs every day, much like they do in Nashville. You know, they get together in a room in Nashville and they, they finish a song in a day. And it's how a lot of pop music and country music is written. So we've been starting, we've been doing that here for, for a number of years. 
Um, and now that, that, that kind of practice of working together, going into rooms, working with co-writers, working more collaboratively has definitely changed. Um, it can bring its own complexities because there's more, more writers involved and that's what we've seen with lots of pop music these days. I mean, in the, in the Billboard charts, the average number of songwriters to a song is four. So four people have contributed to a to a um, to a song in the Billboard charts. Now at the really extreme end, you've got songs by Beyonce, which I, you know I can I know one song of Beyonce's that has more than twenty different writers involved. Um, so it can be really complex, complex to administer it at, at sort of the back end. I have really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Anthony Healy from APRA, uh, talking about tracking down the rights holders of certain songs.